Would you declare with me this morning, Satan? Ah, uh, that, that sounds kind of... Satan, you won't steal my worship. Okay, look at somebody and tell them. Tell, don't call them Satan. You can tell them, sister, he won't steal my worship. Brother, he won't steal my worship. God said a couple of times, he won't steal my worship. I'm not going to let him steal my worship. I will not allow him to take my worship. It's all I got. It's, it, it, it's, it's what I need. I can't do without it. I, I got to be able to worship. If, if I can't worship, ah, what will I do? What will I do? If you have not lived long enough as yet for life to hit you and you can't think of anything to say, you can get no consolation from people you know. Family can't help you. All you have to do is find your worship. We're going to go over some things today. Woo! Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me get it together here. Cause, whew. Oh, Lord Jesus. And I'm not crying for any particular reason. I just... I start going over those psalms that I remember as a little boy. Ah. And it starts, to res res it, it starts to connect with things that you've gone through. And all you can think about is the word of God that helped you. So, you look at me and my eyes are a little puffy. I've been doing that this since about five o'clock. I just just laughing and crying and laughing and crying. God, you're so good. 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 This is going to be a two-part series. And I'm going to just share a couple of things this morning. Whew. Ugh. Mm. Job chapter one, Job chapter one. Oh, somebody, somebody needs this. You, if you hear this morning, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is going to touch you. You've gone through this story before. I have preached it before, but what I'm going to dig into today, I have not dug into it like I'm going to do right now. One of the things that I'm developing, uh, just digging into the historical travel, is, is, and this is probably a month down the road, if God releases me to share on it, is 
how important it was to, to Israel to get to where God is going to take you. Along the way, it, you know, many things happened, but there were, there were particular Israelites like, like, uh, like Joseph who died in Egypt and made them promise. Said, whatever happens, when you get to the promised land, because I'm telling you, I'm sure we're going to get there. Uh, is anyone here sure, like you've never been before, that God is real for you? I started digging into the life of, of Joseph. He made his kids swear. Joseph. Or Jacob, Jacob said, when you get to Egypt, when you get to the promised land, when you're leaving, make sure you take my bones with you. That's how much I value getting to where God wants me. I may not make it there alive, but my kids and my grandkids and my great grands are going to be there. And I want you to make sure you take these bones with you. Because when you get there, you need to put them down where God said he's going to take us. And I want you to celebrate it. I want to be that kind of man that will hold on to God's promise and hold on to God's promise and hold on to God's promise and share it with my offsprings, my sons, and let them know that God is going to keep his promise. Son, I might not be here when he does, but I want you to know that I believe his word so much that when you get to the promised land, don't you leave without taking my bones. I may be dead, but I still want to go. Take whatever is left of me and rebury it there. That's the guy I want to be. Job chapter 1. There was a man... The land of Oz, <clears throat> whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared and God and shunned evil. He had an unbelievable reverence for God. And if evil was going this way, he was going that away. If cussing was going on this way, he was going this away. If adultery and fornication was going this way, he was going that away. He feared and reverenced God and shunned evil. 
And seven sons and daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, very large households, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their homes and each on an appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Verse 5, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of his kids. For Job said, it may be that my sons, my daughters have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did regularly. Now, there was a day when the sons, I wanna, want you to see these shifts. You may not notice them, but when we go back, we're going to look at some of the shifts and the importance of the shifts in this story. Verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Theologians have really tried to, to figure out what this means. And the only thing that we can uh, extrapolate is that uh, there was a time in heaven and still maybe going on where God really wanted to hear from the angels themselves how their assignments were going. Now, that would be strange because God already knows what their assignment was and how it was going because he's everywhere all the time. And yet there was a time, there were moments when he still wanted them to come by and go over what your assignment was. So it wasn't for God, it was for them. That's the general understanding. This wasn't that God needed to know what they were doing. God just needed to see where their hearts were kind of like when he tells you and me to do something that you don't understand and you have the option to obey or disobey you have the option to walk in blessing or walk in curse and quite often in our lives we have walked in the cursed way because of disobedience there was no question as to why God wanted them to do this he just wanted them to do it and they did it and Satan came in behind them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, better word would have been, well, we're going to that. So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears and reverences me, God, and he shuns and hates evil? 
So the devil answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hands, touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his life or his person. that the adversary did. And then in verse 20, it says, then Job And then I would say, then Job rose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell. there do you get the feeling that he's just saying it for just word's sake mm -mm. this is who he is elevation in your life. To worship someone or something gives it a place, a preeminent elevation in your life. When we read the beginning of this story, there's a shift that happens immediately after the first verse. It says, there was a man in the land of us whose name
verses 24 and 25. No man can serve what? Two masters or two gods. Either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or mammon. So we understand now why there is such a blatant, transparent shift in this story between one and two. Because there needed to be a clear picture of, of what Job, who Job is as a Christian and what he has as a human being so that you would understand that at the very beginning of the story, he had already picked a side. I can't tell you the countless friends that I have had that were committed believers, trusting God in every way until they got a good job. The first thing the adversary would do is to give them a job with an employer that says, but you got to work on Sunday. And because the decision was not completely made beforehand, they went back and forth. Well, well, you know, sometimes I have to be at church. You sure? Can we? I'm not telling you if your faith isn't here to do this. But I'm telling you about me. I turned down several jobs in the work world that somebody else I know would have said, that's stupid. Because I was not going to miss my refueling time and fellowship time on Sundays with you guys. But those same people still see my life now. And what they see is not a decrepit Christian who has gone down the tubes. But they are seeing a man that says, for God I live. If your faith doesn't take you there, don't go there. Somebody may stand here and say, if you don't do this, you are not saved. You, No, that's not me. God is dealing with each one of us at the level that we're at. But I'm sharing what I went through so that you will hear an example that, yes, you can stand for righteousness. You can put your foot out there and say, Yes, I will do this, this, and this, but I can't do that. And if we can't make an agreement, an adjustment on this area here, I'm going to just look for another job. That you don't have to buckle if you want to stretch your faith.
There are a couple of things that I want you to see. And it's connected to Job, but you see it in another passage. And that passage is Psalms 91. We've read what we're going to read about Job, but I want to show you a connection that has absolutely turned me upside down, or right side up. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Dad, mom used to have us reciting all of these verses and devotions in the morning, especially on the weekend. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, where? Under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. This takes me to point number one. You and I have to decide that you will be a worshiper now. That I'm going to worship God now. Miss Carolyn, Bruce, I'm going to worship him today before trouble comes. I'm setting up my parameters. I'm drawing a line. I want the devil to know where I stand before he even attacks me. I think the problem that we have with most Christians is that the adversary already knows we're shifty. He's been looking at us for a while. And he sees that we are shifty. Can I submit to you this morning that you could be shifty in a lot of areas in your life, but when it comes to worshiping God, you can't be shifty about that. You can't be shifty about who is your God. Quite often we say, my job is not my God. But we choose our job over God. My family is not my God. But we choose our family over God. My child is not my God. But we will allow our child to wag us around by, by the tail. And quite often, it will, it's on an issue that God has already stated very clearly in his word about. Job knew where he was and who he was. He was willing to say, I'm rich. I've got money. I'm well off. 
but I'm telling you right now, my wealth is not my God. My wealth is not my God. Here is something that you may have missed. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And immediately after that, it says, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, Brother Scott, in him will I trust. Do you see it, Tony? He who dwells in the secret place is directly connected to, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. He's not just worshiping now, but he's establishing where the secret place is. Have you been stressed? Have you been, been wore out and you just wish you had some place you could go to where nobody bothers you? Have you felt so depressed sometimes and, and just frustrated that you wanted to just not hear anyone else? Can I tell you that that place is worship? There's no loneliness when you start worshiping God. Ooh. You don't feel lonely when the presence of the Almighty fills your room. You don't feel alone and frustrated. You don't get anxious. You don't feel fear that every one of those things that will normally take you out. That God is saying right now, if you would only worship me, if you would only find a place where you can just lift your heads up and say, God, I worship you. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, your name is to be praised. I thank you for my food. I thank you for this house. I thank you for my piece of car. I thank you for this job. All of these things are stressing me, but I want to worship you because I know that you are good all the time. Woo. I'm not just worshiping God now. I'm worshiping God because he is my hiding place. You got to see the connection. Job, and the reason I brought the story up about Job is because of this point. 
Do you guys understand that Job is a human being? He was a human being just like you and I. So the question arises, how can Job be living and breathing just like you and I? And when he gets before God, God has to ask him, have you considered my servant Job? Have you ever thought about that? He's there. He's living just like you and I. And yet, God says to Job, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Can I submit to you that God is really good at hiding you in plain sight? That if you will learn to worship God, he will hide you in plain sight. He will put you in a place where the devil can see you, but he can't touch you until God says so. He will put you in a place where the devil can see you but he can't mess with you. Ooh. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. God will hide you in plain sight. The adversary will know where you are, Brother Scott but he can't mess with you. I believe when 91 talks about he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, it is talking about being able to get into the place of worship. God is a jealous God. He's not going to let the adversary mess with you while you're worshiping. That in the midst of your stress, if you start worshiping, God puts a hedge around you and says, stop, devil. I'm enjoying my worship. My baby is talking to me. My child is giving me honor. I am bathing in the worship of my daughter. I am enjoying their supplication. Stop. Don't you do a thing until I tell you to. One of the things that he's done is been able to lie to us and make us feel that he could attack us whenever he wants to. It's a lie. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's a lie. 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 Somebody help me here and tell it's a lie. Say it. It's a lie. The devil can't attack you whenever he wants to. 
He don't get to mess with God's child whenever he feels like. The word clearly says, you are the apple of God's eye. I am the apple of God's eye. When last did you let a person walk up to you and just for no reason at all stick their finger in your eye and you just stood there? If you and I wouldn't do that, do you think Papa would let the adversary mess with the apple of his eye without his cover and protection? The first thing is that you're hidden. That's why I worship him now. I worship him right now. I worship him right now because, because he is hiding me in plain sight. The adversary is going to watch me shout, but he can't stop me. How about that? He, be, he can watch you. But he not, he can watch you. He will gnash his teeth at you. But unless God says, have you considered my servant Enoch? All he can do is gnash his teeth at you. When I begin to understand that nothing is happening in my life without God's notice or God's permission, it freed me. It has freed me. It has freed me. It has freed me to become a man of God after his own heart. Because I understand his love is so deep and so wide that even I can't understand. How could you love me like this? Worship now. Worship today. Before trouble comes. Verse 3 of 91 says, I want you to notice the change in the grammar. In verses 1 and 2 it says, He is my refuge. He is my God. You see that? In him will I trust. So I worship him now. I worship him today. I worship him because he's my God. But then I go to verse 3 and 4 and it says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pest, perilous pestilence, and he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. So he moves from he is to he shall. Do you see that? Do you see that? In one and two, he is now, right now. He is, not he was, he is your refuge and strength. Verses three and four, says, he shall. I will give God a now worship before my trouble comes. Number two, I'm going to worship 
forward. I'm going to worship forward. I'm going to worship him for stuff he hasn't done yet. I'm going to worship him for movement he hasn't made yet. I'm going to worship him for blessings he hasn't allowed yet. I'm going to worship him for trials that I'm making it through that I haven't seen yet. I'm going to take my worship forward. I'm going to worship God into the future. I'm going to worship him in the middle of my mess. I'm not going to just worship God now in the middle of my circumstance, but I'm going to, I'm making, it's, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because the decision has to be made. Not only do I have to decide that I'm going to worship God now before my trials get here, but I also have to establish that I'm going to worship God about stuff I don't see yet so that the adversary understands that I'm committed, that I don't always have to see. I just worship him because he's God. That's what we read about Job. That's why the dichotomy is so clear. That on one hand, he worshiped God, he was blameless, he lived righteously, and on the other hand, he was rich. And what is being established is that his present and future worship had nothing to do with the blessing of God on his life. He just worshiped God because God is God. Some of us have been wondering why we're not living in breakthrough. Could one of the reasons be that we have been guilty of not worshiping God because he's God? Could it be that when we look at the history of our lives, much as what our mouth says, we can look back and see that our actions have not been connected in the same way? That the proof is that we've always worshipped God after he gave us something. That we've always had a testimony right after he supplies a new car. That we've always had a roaring testimony and praise for God right after a promotion. That when we're going through something, we are quiet and silent. At a time when we should be establishing in the face of the adversary that I don't trust God for the stuff. I trust God and I worship him because he's God. I love him because he first loved me. <sighs> worship now, worship forward. But there's something else that I didn't expect to see. And all of these things are connected to Job's story. 
verses five through nine says, you shall, so we go from he is to he shall to you shall. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walk in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge. See, that last two words there makes all the difference to me because I realize now that in this point from five to nine, David has changed from not just he's my strength and refuge, not just uh, he shall keep me going forward, but now he's taking an opportunity to bring worship to God on behalf of somebody else that needs their faith built up. When last have you gone before God and thank God for a brother or sister? Lord, I thank you for, for strengthening so-and-so. Lord, I thank you because your blessings are raining down on so-and-so. Lord, I give you glory and worship and honor because you are the God of a second chance and you are giving so-and-so a second chance. Lord, in the name of Jesus, and you go to a person and you speak faith into them. God is your help. God, God is going to bring you out. I'm committing to pray with you because God is. You shall not die. You shall not die. You shall not be devoured by this situation. The God that I serve, the God that brought me out, is the same God that's going to bring you out. And all you have to do is just trust my word because I know I've seen him do it. Who can you look at somebody and tell them, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. I'm, I've seen him do it. You don't have to believe anything else but what I've seen. I've seen him do it. He brought me out of a miry clay. Set me up on a rock. Brother Job gets all of this stuff happening to him. And he gets to the end. All of the stuff has happened, apparently for no reason, but there was a reason. God was saying to the adversary, I got a child right there who made the decision before you ever decided to attack. I've got a son right there that has made a decision to worship me before I even allow you to go. He's never, he will die. 
he got to the end of, of the book and he says, okay, Lord, after the argument, after all of the stuff and telling God, Lord, he never cursed God, never said anything bad about God. He said it all about himself. He said, I wish that I'd never been born. I cursed the day my mama gave birth to me. But then he gets to the end of the book and he says, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Is there someone here this morning who has been wavering on your worship? You have been wavering on your worship. You have not understood that your worship is your hiding place. Your worship is your hiding place. Your worship is your hiding place. Your worship is your place of protection. And if you allow the adversary to frustrate you, make you so angry and anxious, make you hit the rock when God is saying to just stretch the staff over it, it can be detrimental. You can miss something that God wants to do for you. You're here this morning. I want to end by saying to everyone here, make a declaration to the adversary right now, again, from your heart, and let him know, Satan, you won't steal my worship. Satan, you will not steal my worship. In good times for bad times. Whether the water is still or the waves are coming as high as a skyscraper, you will not steal my worship. 